For some strange reason, I never, I never remember or how to turn that on. Um, yes, it's, uh, it's very loud. It's very interesting to come out of a time of prayer and then dive into studying some other church's prayer time. But that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, if you have a Bible, let me quote somebody. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, um, the text is going to be on the wall, but it's, it has a different kind of flavor, let's put it like that, if you have a Bible in your hand, right? So, let me, that's the text up there. Um, let me read it, pray, and then we're going to start. So this is, uh, this is Acts 4, starting with verse 23. When they were released, Peter and John, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had, when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly, in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus and when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness let me pray and we'll see what we're going to do. Our Father in heaven, we're all afraid. We don't assume that we can do anything without you. We don't assume that we can preach the word, pray, or study your Bible without the Holy Spirit. So Lord, as we stay here tonight, as we stand here tonight, as we gather tonight, in this place. Lord, I pray that you would pour on us your Holy Spirit. That we would see you clearly in the Word. That we would learn what you have to tell us. We would, that we would apply it in our lives. And that we would shine like the stars in the world. Give us the power to speak your Word with boldness, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as you probably kind of understood already, we are going to look at a prayer. And 
the, the one question that I want us to ask together and answer together is this. Why is this prayer relevant for me today, 21st century, all work Denmark? Why? What does it have to do with me? What can I learn from this? And I believe, as you will see, there's four reasons why I believe it's relevant for us. And there's four things I want us to look at. We're going to draw a short conclusion at the end, and we'll be done. So, the four reasons why this prayer is relevant for us. Number one, because of the answer that was given to the prayer. Number two, the circumstances under which the prayer was prayed. Number three, to whom it was prayed to. And number four, what the church asked. It's not an individual, it's the church prayer. So, let's see. Number one. The prayer is relevant for us today for the answer that was given to the prayer. Let's look together to verse 31. Luke says, When they had prayed, the place in which they, they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. So please notice, we're right after Pentecost. We're two chapters after Pentecost, three chapters after Pentecost. Please notice the parallels with Pentecost. Here, here, they are, they, they are praying. In, chapter, in uh, Acts 1, during Pentecost, they had been praying. Here, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Same verb, same sentence. Then, here, God shakes the building where they are. There, they began to speak in tongues. That people understood. In other words, um, Pentecost was the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Here, we see another one. That to say, uh, Pentecost is a unique moment in history. Because right through the book of Acts, we see that happening several times. And then throughout history till today. In both Pentecost and now, God is demonstrating His power physically. In both Pentecost and now, God gives the fullness of the Spirit. In both Pentecost and now, God empowers people to openly speak the Word of God with boldness. So whatever else Pentecost is, is not a unique moment. We'll see it repeated in repeated times throughout the book of Acts. So, why is the prayer relevant for us today? Well, it's relevant for the fact that the answer, for the answer that was given, namely, 
an outpouring of the Spirit of God for the boldness in speaking His Word to people. So the question, how does that practically relate to us? Well, it's exactly that outpouring of the Spirit that we desperately need today. In Europe, in Denmark, in all world, that's what we need. What do we need to do for that? Pray. Ask. And it will be given to you, Jesus says. Pray this prayer. Lord, actually, I was intending to tell Christian to let me do the prayer time through the sermon, but it would have been a long problem. Do you want the Holy Spirit? Do you want to speak boldly God's Word? The only thing you have to do is ask. That's what the Bible teaches. You don't have to pay. We don't deserve it, as the song says. Just ask. Ask for the boldness and for the opportunities. Now, not everybody should be a cross-cultural missionary in this world. But every Christian, every one of you, if you know Jesus, are a witness to Jesus in this world. Why else do you have the Holy Spirit? And not just that, but in order to open your mouth, in order for me to open my mouth, I need boldness, I need courage. Why do I need courage? We were talking about this in the Bible study on Wednesday. Why do you need boldness to talk about Jesus? This would be a great Bible study question. Well, because in Luke 2, we are told that God set up Jesus as a sign to be opposed. The by default answer to glorious Jesus is no opposition from a sinful heart. So, as Koinonia, as a church here in Albuquerque, as Jesus' church in Albuquerque, we need to pray this prayer. Individually, all of us, and corporately, all of us. Lord, pour your Spirit over us so that we would speak the truth with boldness. How much courage does one need to speak about Jesus at work? Immeasurable. Because the Holy Spirit is measurable in His power. So here's a challenge. This is end of point one. Here's a challenge. When you go home tonight, when we go home tonight, maybe with the kids at the table, take out a piece of paper, and a pen, and make a list of, I wrote down five, but of, make a list of five people that you know who are not Christians and who know you here in Albuquerque, and pray specifically for boldness to speak to them about Christ.
people who are normal. Point number two. The prayer is relevant for us because of the circumstances under which, under which the prayer was prayed. So Peter and John were arrested. They, stand, they stood in front of the Sanhedrin and then they're released from prison. And what they do is, the first thing they do is they run back to their brothers and sisters in Christ and they report to them what was said, what happened. Right? In verse 23, we're told, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the others said to them. Right? And then later in 29, we see them praying. This is part of the prayer as such. And they pray. Now, Lord, look upon their threats. Now, the whole church knows about those threats. What were the threats? Well, back in... Christian sermon, back in that text that he was preaching on last week, we, we saw in verse 18, they said, Do not speak or teach in this name anymore. Right? Do not teach about Jesus. Do not speak in his name in this city. So what are the circumstances then? The circumstances are... Threats against the preaching of God's word in public, right? In the name of Jesus. And side note, well, not necessarily side note. Um, their default reaction to threats against speaking the word is prayer for boldness to speak the word. Who in their right mind does that? The police comes to your door and says, no, that's it. From now on, no more. You close the door, go into your closet, closet, and you ask, Lord, they told me not to speak about Jesus in public anymore. Give me courage to do it. But question. Another Bible study question. Why is the church so urgent in going directly to prayer? Why? They could have a church meeting, look at the budget, see if the risks are fine. If... Why prayer? Like on the spot that evening. Why? They do not assume that they can keep on in healthy ministry without the power and boldness from the Spirit. Can you? Can, can I? Can we as a church? Peter prays in 1 Peter, I think it was 1 Peter, help me serve in the power that you provide, Lord. I don't want to serve Jesus in my power. It just leads to hell. And another note, uh, Christian was uh, quoting uh, Acts 2.42 at the beginning. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is not a church that has prayer as entree to their menu. They eat prayer. They sit down and pray because that's their lifestyle. 
Are you ever afraid of the fact that fear could paralyze you? How many times? How many times did we not, me, our family, not have people who don't know Christ at home? And in my heart, how many times did I not, even for one second, freeze and, should I actually say that? Should I mention that? Should I bring it up? Should I, should I even pray at the table? Because then they will say stuff or ask things. So fear is paralyzing and you don't want to paralyze in front of Jesus because he said, whoever is ashamed of me, he's going to be ashamed of them, right? So this prayer is relevant for us because of its occasion, namely a church or a group of believers who are under threat not to speak about Jesus in public. There's no persecution in Denmark yet. Um, but there are barriers in the, in, the, in the way of the gospel being preached or for, in the way of the gospel being made known in Europe, in the US in China I'm not even going to I'm not even going to go to China how horrible things are for Christians but anywhere resistance to the gospel is increasing just look at Netflix. How many books, uh, sorry, movies about Jesus do they have? How about Amazon? How many movies can you see in, um, in the cinema? How many books about Jesus are released in libraries right now? I mean, libraries on the main street, right? Not the small Christian libraries or bookshops in the corner, if there are. And secular relativism is growing like a religion. They even have a church, the Atheist Church, they call it. Literally, look it up. So it's not, and on, on, on another hand, there's not just persecution, but we live in a, in a culture that is completely, has completely removed Christ from. from the public scene, or the entertainment business, right? As I was saying, where do you see Christ on TV? And on top of that, probably the saddest thing is a growing number of churches that bring more and more values from the world into who it is, the church. Let me read to you some, what somebody said about this. If the early Christians, with their first-hand experience of the risen Christ, and their immediate access to apostles and eyewitnesses, needed to seek a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to carry on in their situation, how much more we? Point number two. This prayer is, is relevant for us today because of whom it was prayed to. It is remarkable, if you've looked at the text carefully, that the church takes 
five verses to tell God who he is and spends only two verses asking what they actually mean. Let me read it again. When they heard it, just pay attention to who's saying what and when do they ask for things. And when they heard it, maybe what the report was, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of Father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and why people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly, in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, and along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. From 24 to 28, they spend time in prayer telling God who He is and what He has done. We'll get to what they ask in the next point. So what's going on? Does God need to be told who He is? He doesn't. He knows exactly who He is. But the point is, we as Christians need to know who God is. And we need to have a prayer life that outshines what's going on in here. What we know comes out in our prayer time. I'm not going to say anything about the silence during prayer time. Because I'm sure you are lifting up your voices in silence. But praying out loud is for the encouragement of the church, just so you know. We're being built up through our prayers as a church. So what are they doing in this passage? Before they ask for anything, they worship God for who He is and what He has done. And in these verses, they identify God in two ways. Number one, they tell Him, you are the creator of everything. Right? Sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything. So they appeal to God as their creator. But why? Well, they do that because they know that if God created everything, He created the opposition, the people who opposed them. And not only created them, but He is in control of them. How do we know that? Well, look here. Um, For truly in the city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Why? To do whatever your hand and your plan has designed. God was in control of every single detail that happened at the cross. From the blood and the nails and the spitting and the everything. He designed it like that. So if He was in control of the greatest event in history, 
How is he not in control of 71 people telling you, shut up? He is. Right? Is he? So that's the first way they identify God. Secondly, they say to God that He's the one ruling over all things. And they quote Psalm 2 in verses 25 and 26. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain and so on and so forth? Why do they do that? They show that the psalm was fulfilled in the way God was in control even when Jesus was killed. But remember, this is prelude. This is prelude to prayer, to asking for something. This is not the prayer. This is introduction to prayer, to asking. All, all this is prelude to asking for the outpouring of the Spirit. And this is what makes it relevant for us today. So. Many people say, doctrine doesn't matter. I mean, you can ask for the Holy Spirit in any way. It doesn't matter how you believe, what you believe. Well, it's not exactly true. The early Christians knew it better. Why? Because of this. Let me read it to you. For them, the doctrine of creation, the doctrine of the inspired scriptures, the doctrine of God's sovereignty over the voluntary acts of sinful people, a knowledge of the Old Testament prophecies, all these things, all these things were essential for them. Why? Because it comes and informs their prayer. That's how they build their prayer. That's what they're praying. Doctrine. Who God is, what He has done, and who He is. That's the prayer time work. That's the prayer that we should pray. Want to pray correctly? You might be thinking there's a wrong way to pray. We can talk about it in the Bible study if you want. But there's one way of praying correctly, at least. And that's this. So what should we do? We should ask for the Spirit, but at the same time, we should fill our minds with the Word of Truth. That's what we pray. If you don't have the Bible in your heart and mind, you cannot pray. You just keep on asking for the same thing. Right? And finally, number four, the prayer is relevant for us today because what was asked. In verse 29, they say, And now, Lord, look upon their threats. That's their first request. That's the, one, the first thing that they ask for. What does that mean? What are, what are they saying? Let me tell you what I think they're saying. Lord, Please take note what is at stake in their threats. Lord, they have commanded us not to speak about your son and in his name. That's what, it's, it, that's what is at stake, Lord. So, 
raise yourself, Lord, because nothing is of greater interest to you than the honor of your Son. Rise up, Lord, take note, look on their threats. That's what they're saying. Your, the honor of your Son, Jesus, is at stake. You don't want that, Lord. That's the kind of argument that makes sense and is logical from a biblical point of view and from the kingdom's point of view. Here, they're saying, here's why you should help us. Here's why you should give us the power of the Spirit. Their threats are against your son's reputation. Now let's look at the whole request. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What they're doing is they're asking for three things. They're asking for God to give them boldness through the Spirit. They're asking that, they would, that His hand would be stretched out and uh, people will be healed. And that he would cause signs and wonders to happen in the name of Jesus. All of them in the name of Jesus. In other words, their desire is to be empowered in such a way that all they do and everything that happens is to honor, lift up, glorify, make much of who Christ is. And not anywhere, but in front of people in public. Not up here. This place right here, this blue square, whatever this is, is safe. This is safe. It's safe for us to come up here and say, well, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. But when you're alone in the street, at work, with your family, with my mother, it's not safe. This is relevant for us because it shows us how we should be seeking the power of God's Spirit. So the simple reality and application of this is that we should be praying like they prayed. And that means not just praying in general to get power, but pray specifically. Lord, give me the gift of bold proclamation of who you are. Lord, stretch out your hand and heal these people. Lord, in your Son's name and for his honor, vindicate him through signs and wonders. And finally, conclude. What should you take away from this except the, the necessity, the vitality of, vitality is not the right word, the need to pray for the Holy Spirit, to ask for His power. Besides that, what else should you take away? Um, let me ask you a question, another Bible study question. Do you long... I, 
I said at the beginning, make a list of five people and pray specifically for them. Do you long, sincere, sincerely desire in your heart for people to be saved? This is a huge test for all of us. Do I sincerely, honestly desire in my heart for people whom I know they're not saved to be saved? If I do, right? Um, Paul said, Paul says in Romans 10, 1, he says, the desire of my heart is for them to be saved. He's talking about his fellow Jews. Right? Is there such a desire in my heart? Because if there is, let me see if I put up the verse. Yes, here it is. Paul says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. The desire for people that are not saved to be saved always comes with the prayer, Lord, save them, Lord, use me, or save them in some way, but do it. You cannot desire, I cannot desire my mother to be saved and do nothing. So the desire for the salvation of people comes together with prayer. It should be the autopilot, the by default reaction. And then, secondary question, if you have that desire, what should you do? Well, the, 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 the answer is simple. Learn from this prayer. Peter and John, why do you think Peter and John spoke the word of truth? So that people would be saved. So that they would see clearly who Jesus was and they'd be saved. Why were people healed? So that they would be saved. That they would see who clear, clearly who Jesus was and be saved. Why were there signs and wonders? For people to see Jesus clearly and be saved. Because it's all in His name. So this passage is a very relevant prayer for us today. Not for an introspective group of people. Go home and like, oh, that was good, that was so strong, but man, that was so complicated. What is that? What is he talking about? Don't, don't, don't think about this. Think about this prayer, though. And pray. So, not for introspective people who are merely interested in unusual experience like signs and wonders and healings. That's not what we're interested in. But we should be a group of people who long for the salvation of sinners and want to make much of Jesus. If all work. If that's what you want, then this is the way to pray. Let's pray. Father, we, we again, Lord, we are weak and scared and afraid and unworthy of you. But Lord, what a glorious gospel you brought to us, Lord. Just like what the song said, you ran over mountains and hills and fields through waters and oceans to come to us. So Lord, 
Thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit in which, because of whom we are new and alive. Lord, thank you for your Bible and for your truth. And Lord, I ask together with all these people here tonight that you would bless us with the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to speak your word with boldness here in our world to our friends or to whomever asks in the name of Jesus. I ask this in his name. Amen.